Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, what's up, Celebration? I hope everyone is having a great day today. This weekend, I am in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and this Sunday, are you ready for this? I am teaching the membership class to our very first membership class of Celebration Fort Lauderdale. I want to thank all of you guys for your generous giving. The church in Fort Lauderdale is off and running. It's going great, and I'm actually down there today teaching our very first membership class at our Welcome to Church party. I'll be back next weekend. I look forward to seeing uh, you and preaching next weekend on Memorial Day weekend. But today, you are going to hear from one of our many great staff communicators. It's going to be a great day. You're going to hear a great message. I'll see you next week. Come on, church. How are we doing this morning? Everybody having a good morning? So good to see you. Can you guys do one thing? Can you help me welcome all the campuses? Anybody tuning online? So glad you guys are with us. Man, I'm so excited to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Layton. I have the privilege and honor to be one of the riot pastors. I'm also newly married to my beautiful wife, Hannah, who's sitting here on the front row. Uh, if you could see Hannah, you would obviously see I outkicked my coverage. You know, when, when you serve Jesus, you, out, you outkick your coverage. Man, and I'm so excited to be with you this morning. It's such an honor to be able to share uh, on this platform, you know, where Pastor Stovall shares. And as great of an honor as it is to share this morning, I think we all have a greater honor, all of us together. And that honor is to be a part of Celebration Church. Just the fact that we're a part of Celebration Church is such a great honor. What God is doing globally, what God is doing here in Jacksonville and Orlando and Fort Lauderdale is nothing short of a miracle. And the reason that, is ha that happens is we have senior pastors who entrust and empower people to lead beyond themselves. And that's why I love them so much. Can we give our pastors some honor? Thank them so much. Love Pastor Stovall, Pastor Kerry, they're amazing. If you have your Bible, anybody ready to get into the Word? Got your Bible? Turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Super excited for this morning. Acts chapter 3. It's never bad when you're in the book of Acts. If you didn't get your Bible reading in this week, I'm going to take care of that this morning. We're going to do a lot of Bible reading. Acts chapter 3. We will start in verse 1 when you're there. Say, go Jags. It's going to be a good year, guys. No more depression. Good year. Thank you, draft. Acts chapter 3, start in verse 1. It'll be on the screens if you don't have your Bible. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was about 3 in the afternoon. And now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every single day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money, for some cash, dollar dollar bills. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said to him, hey, hey, look at me real quick, homeboy. Look at me. Then the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter actually said this one thing in verse 6 that I love. He says, silver or gold, Chick-fil-A or Starbucks, I don't have. I don't have any of this stuff. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, walk. I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But what I have, I can give you. And in the name of Jesus, walk. Verse seven, it says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder, filled with amazement at what had happened. Silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. Walk. In the name of Jesus, walk. Second verse we're gonna look at today. You don't have to flip there, just write it down. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse six. It'll be on the screens. It says, no one is like you, Lord. No one is like you, for you are great and your name is mighty in power. No one is like you. Last verse we'll look at, we'll look at together on the, scene, on the, on the screen. Psalm chapter 20, verse seven, it says this. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but for we, the children of Israel, as for me, I trust in the name of the Lord our God. You can have silver, you can have gold, you can have chariots, you can have horses, but for us as this church, Celebration Church, we trust in the name of the Lord our God, Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes this morning, I wanna speak to you from a message that I have entitled, More Than a Name. He is more than a name. Why don't you pray with me really quick before we get into it. Lord, we love you. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. God, it says when your name is lifted high, all men are drawn to that. So Lord, we lift your name. We lift the name of Jesus that is above every single name this morning. God, we give you praise. Lord, I pray for the Jags, like I said earlier, that it will be a better year. It's been a really, really hard time in Jacksonville. We got some good first round draft picks. Keep them healthy and let us win in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, okay. Jags, fed. Jags fans said amen, right? Like I said, I'm a part of the Riot ministry. I'm one of the pastors here at the Riot. And if you've never seen the Riot, if you've never been to a Riot service, what you need to know about the Riot is that we firmly believe that a quiet church is a dead church. A quiet church is a dead church. And something in the riot that we firmly believe also is church is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. We love to have fun. So if you attend a riot service, you're gonna see a lot of people preaching back. They love to talk back to the preacher. I've, I welcome you to talk back to me today. This is a conversation. Uh, if you go to the riot, some of the things you will hear when you hear amens is a little bit crazy. So I'm gonna warn you, you might hear it this morning. Uh, you know, you have the good old Baptist, amen, sir. Amen, amen. You know, you got the Pentecostal preach it, preach it like a Sylvia here on the front row. Um, you might even have this. You might even see this. In 1130, I guarantee you'll see this. You'll see a hand waving like it's a hanky. Somebody hear something they like, they just wave their hand like it's a hanky. But my favorite one, you hear it every once in a while, you don't hear it all the time, is preach it, white boy. Preach it, white boy. They love to have fun. So I, I want, here's this morning, I want to set the tone. If we're going to enjoy church, we're going to have fun. This is not going to be a quiet service. And because of that, I actually want to throw some names on the screen. And when I throw these names on the screen, I just want to hear your thoughts and feelings towards these names. You don't have to scream, but maybe let's just share our thoughts and feelings towards these names. Can we give the first name tech, throw it up there real quick. FSU. <laughs> we got a lot of booze. Okay. All right, before there's fights, let's move on.
All right, all right, all right. Yeah, before you get prideful, to the next name. Oh. I said nothing, that was the screen. You see that video? I said nothing. Last but not least. Yeah. The thing that I've noticed throughout my life and what we just saw here is that there is something about a name. You know, a name has this power and has this, this thing inside of it that can cause reactions and responses in people. If you don't believe me, you just prove my point. To prove it even further, because I'm a youth pastor, I'm taking you back to your high school days real quick. Let's all think about how names have power. We're gonna go back to our high school days and we're in a conversation with our friends and we're just talking. We're in a group talking about who knows what, Instagram, Twitter, Vine, nothing really important. And in this conversation, some, someone's name gets brought up. And here's how I'll tell you the power of a name. You're in a conversation and all of a sudden you hear the name of your crush brought up. I guarantee there was a response and a reaction in you. Some of you, you're going all the way back thinking, oh my gosh, shame the devil, I do not welcome that here. But when the name of your crush is brought up, there is a reaction and a response in you, whether you like it or not. When we show those names on screen, whether you expressed it or not, there is a reaction and a response in you because of the name. Because what I've learned is there's something about a name. Names have way more power than we give them credit. There is something about a name. There is power in a name. And about six years ago, I found that to be true more than ever before. Six years ago, I was living with my family who's here this morning in South Carolina, and I, just given my, I had just given my life to Jesus, and I was serving at a youth ministry, and we went to a concert, and on the way home from the concert, I was driving home. And on the drive home on I-95, going about 85 miles an hour, I do not encourage speeding, okay? If, you know, like Ricky Bobby said, if you're not first, you're last, it's not true. You can't go the speed limit. I was driving home on I-95, I was texting a buddy about the concert, and in the middle of the ride, about 30 minutes into the ride, in the middle of a text message, I look up, and all four of my brother's Tahoe, all four of the wheels of his Tahoe were in the middle of the median in the grass. I didn't know what to do. I was in way over my head. And what I thought was a simple drive home ended up what it looked like to be a road towards death. I had nowhere to turn. And I want you to check out the screens to see what happens next.
when I, when I found myself in the middle of the median, I literally had the thought of, man, this is it. God, now? I'm 21. Now. I thought my life was over. And when all four wheels were in the middle of the median, my car was shaking, my car was rattling, the car was on cruise control, I was going 85 miles an hour. And when the car was in the middle of the road, I didn't know what to do, so I just, just freaked out and I jerked the car and I tried, to over, I tried to correct the car back onto the highway and obviously I overcorrected the car. And when I tried to get back on the highway, my car was skidding down the, the, highway, the, side, <laughs> the highway sideways. And as the car was skidding down the highway, the back left tire blew out and I began to flip. Back left tire blows out, I flipped. And during the first flip, I slammed my head on, on the window and I began to flip. I flipped eight times. I flipped four times sideways, hit a bank with a 30 foot drop and flipped four times end over end. 85 miles an hour, I flipped almost 160 yards from the middle of the median to 70 yards into the woods on the other side of the road. And when I flipped and when I landed, I finally landed, as you saw in the pictures, my car was upside down and I was still in the driver's seat. And when I was still in the driver's seat, I think you're probably wondering why was I in the driver's seat? Well, why, the reason I was in the driver's seat is during the first flip of the car wreck, I slammed my head on the window, got glass stuck in my head, and all of a sudden I just started to scream. Something came out of me that I did not know was coming out of me. I just started to scream one thing and one thing alone. And I started saying, Jesus, 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 crying out, didn't know I was saying this, didn't know I was praying this, and I just start saying the name of Jesus. And at the mention of the name of Jesus, I kid you not, this is not an exaggeration, I literally felt something holding me in the driver's seat. Stronger than any seatbelt and stronger than any airbag. Because what you need to know about how I stayed in the seat is that I did not have my seatbelt on during these flips. The car, the car, the airbags did not deploy, no seatbelt. Eight flips, 85 miles an hour, 150 yards, and the name of Jesus kept me in the seat that no seatbelt could do. What you need to know about me staying in the car is that in the progression of the flips, everything in the car flew out. CDs, book bags, the floor mats under my feet, the shoes I had on my feet flew out of the car, but I'm still there. When the car landed upside down, you know, I'm kind of freaking out. I like, car lands and I like reluctantly open my eyes of how am I gonna die? Is everything okay? Everything's all right, is my face good? It's all that matters. It's the money maker. <laughs> Just kidding. Is my face okay? And then I realized this is, I, I promise you, this is literally my thought process. I realized I'm okay. I'm not gonna die. But then I had this thought, this is like some final destination stuff. The car's gonna blow up. I better get out of this car as soon as possible. So I jumped out of the car. And when I jumped out of the car, the car was upside down. The, the driver's side was facing the sky. I landed two feet from an electrical box, 70 yards off the highway. Two feet to the right, I'm dead. No shoes, so I finally, I head to the highway. I forgot about this part. When the car landed, I was in the car and there was one other thing in the car too, my cell phone. 
because I was so far off the highway that no one could see me and no one could help me. So God knew I would need my cell phone. And when I reached back in the car, I found my cell phone lit up in the driver's seat waiting on me. When I grabbed the cell phone, I saw the first shooting star I've ever seen in my life shoot across the sky. As if God was trying to remind me of Psalm 33 when he says he created the heavens with his words and the stars with his breath and he still holds humans with his hands. God is big enough to hold your life. God is big enough to take care of you. If he can hold me in a car going 85 miles an hour, he can hold you walking on this earth. We serve a big God, a sufficient God. And when I grabbed my phone, I did not call my mom first. She was about to body slam me, texting and driving. Mothers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Preach. I finally get to the highway. I called my buddy Wes, who's here this morning. I called my mom in the ambulance and I got off the phone with the ambulance and all of a sudden my senses start to come back to me. I start to realize what's going on. I start to feel things. I start to kind of feel the tossing and turning and the bruises that I had on my legs. And as the ambulance is headed my way, my senses come back. And then all of a sudden, 70 yards from my car, I'm standing at the highway trying to wave down a trucker as if anybody's gonna stop for a guy bleeding out of his ear with no car around. It's never gonna happen. But I'm waving down a trucker, trying to get someone's attention, and I start to hear a sound behind me. And I didn't know what the sound was, and I couldn't really make out what it was, but the, the sound started to get louder and louder and louder and more clear and clear and clear. And then all of a sudden I realized I turned around and there was a sound coming from my car. I was listening to the Awakening CD on the way home and the worship music was still playing out of the car. And the sound that I heard, here's what you need to know, the sound that I heard is the sound that you need to be reminded of. God reminded me of a message and a promise for you and I, and I heard this sound when I'm standing on the side of the road after my car just flipped. against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Nothing can stand at the feet of Jesus. There's nothing that can stand with the presence of God. If our God is for us, who can stop you? Church, who can stop you this morning? I don't care what you walked in with. I don't care what you have. There's nothing in this world that can stop the call of God on your life. And I actually want to pull up this, this, the, the picture of the car. Because when you look at the car, there is no reason worship should be playing out of this car. It is completely total. The engine is in the front seat. The doors are completely smashed in. Worship should never come out of this car, ever. But God loves to do things that will never happen. God loves to do things that shouldn't happen. And I think here's what I believe this morning. I believe that some of you, you think that this is a picture of your life. If you were to portray my life, if you were to draw my life, it looks a lot like this car. 
The enemy has beat me up. The enemy has flipped my life out of control. The enemy has flipped my purpose and flipped my family and flipped my finances. God can't use me. I'm just too beat up. I'm too messed up. Here's what you need to know. God loves to use messed up things. God loves to use a mess and turn it into a message. God loves to use garbage and make greatness. God loves to find a wreck and turn it into worship. There's nothing that the enemy can do to try to stop you. What I realized in this wreck is what the enemy tried to flip into death, God flipped right back into destiny and said, this is my son and who I am well pleased and nothing can stop him if I'm for him. I don't care what you're in right now. I don't care what you've walked in with today. All, I, all you need to know is God looks at your situation any way different than the world does. Because when the world sees this, it sees a wreck. But when God sees it, he says, I see worship. Oh man, I see worship. And after the song played, obviously I'm crying, I'm tearing up. I called my mom and I said, mom, you don't know how good God is. It's all I could say. You don't know how good God is. Then the ambulance got there and the ambulance started going through this, her protocol. I remember a conversation I had with a woman. She started to go through her protocol, started to ask me questions. So what happened? You were texting and driving? Yes, sorry. <laughs> I probably didn't do this. I was probably crying. Well, did you have your seatbelt on? No, ma'am, I didn't. Did you have your seatbelt on? No, ma'am, I didn't. And about 15 questions later of the same question, did you have your seatbelt on? I finally said, ma'am, I promise you I did it. And she said this to me that I'll never forget. She said, son, you need to understand this. You're so lucky. And I responded right back, not even realize what I was saying. And God blurted something out of my mouth that I didn't even know I was saying. And I said, ma'am, I don't think this is luck. I think this is love. You, you, you call this luck. You think the world's throwing me a bone because I've done good deeds. You think the world is helping me out and I've won the lottery in, in regards to my life and God and God saving me. You think this is luck? Tell me in the Bible where it says the world's so lucked that God gave his son. It says God so loved that he gave his son that none should perish. And some of you are in here this morning and you think you're lucky to be here. You think you're lucky you have the job you have. You think you're lucky you're not in jail from when you were dealing drugs. Like that crush I talked about from high school, you think you're lucky you didn't end up with them. It's love, as funny as it is. It's love and love alone. Church, we're not lucky. We're loved. That's all you can say it is. We're loved, you can call it luck, but I know it's love. The last part of the wreck that I'll share with you is two weeks later, I was eating some Mexican food, loved some Mexican food with my mom. And in the midst of some guacamole, my mom looks across the table. She says, Leighton, your eyelashes are gone. <laughs> okay, do tell. And she's like, no, seriously, your eyelashes are gone. Have you seen them? No, mom, I usually check those out on Saturday. Today's Monday. I haven't looked at them. And she was like, no, Layton, I'm really serious. Your eyelashes are gone. And then we went to a, a mirror and we noticed that both of my eyelashes were cut off and that I had these tiny scrapes across my face from the wreck. And then we thought, oh my gosh, the glass from the windshield was hanging over the steering, steering wheel. And during eight flips, 85 miles an hour, 160 yards, the glass seemed to cut off my eyelashes and graze my cheek, but miss my eyeballs. 
You try to tell me God doesn't care about the details of your life. If God didn't care about the details, then why am I seeing today? God is in the middle of your finances. He's in the middle of your family. He's in the middle of your details. There's nothing too far from God. If that was the case, I would be blind. Millimeters away from not seeing. Millimeters away. And this wreck I was in had a response and the response was dictated to the name that I said. I said Jesus and my wreck responded. You see the same, here, same thing here in Acts chapter three. This man, he was lame. He was lame from birth. He was born, he was born a, par a paralytic. His wreck was named par paralysis. Couldn't walk. Couldn't do anything. And day after day and week after week and year after year, people presented these names to this guy that never helped him. But one day, a guy named John and a guy named Peter walked across his path, and he says, do you have silver or gold? He says, no, but I have a name that your wreck will respond to, and his name is Jesus. And I know some of you have walked in here today with some wrecks, where your family is flipping out of control, and your finances have flipped out of control, and your marriage has flipped out of control. And I'll even dare to say this, your walk with God has flipped out of control and you feel like you're headed towards death, and your thought life has spiraled you in a place that you never wanted to be, the good news is that there's a name that everything will respond to, and his name is Jesus. There is a name, and his name is Jesus. And the great thing about the name of Jesus is it's not a name, it is the name. In Philippians 2, it says that God, therefore God gave Jesus the name above all names that every knee should bow, every tongue should confess. So you're not asking for a name, a, a something like this. It is the name that nothing can stand with, that nothing is beside, that nothing is above. It is the name above all names, and that is the name that will cause your wreck to respond the way you want it to. Jesus is so much more than a name, so much more. And I think there are three things that Jesus' name is to us and means to me. In my wreck, I found three things that Jesus' name is to me. I wanna give you three quick points, and I'm gonna close here and call the band up. This is my one and only close. <laughs> Promise. I don't have that problem, I'm just kidding, who knows? <laughs> Point number one, Jesus is more than a name. And the thing his name is to me his name is my power. The name of Jesus is my power and is your power too. If you look through the Bible, if you really look at what you need in life, the name of Jesus is the power, you, all, that's all you need for the power you're looking for. You wanna know what separates our religion, Christianity and Jesus than any other religion? It's not you, it's not worship, it's not anything else but the name of Jesus. Because you can pray in the name of Allah, you can pray in the name of Buddha, you can pray in the name of this and that, but there is one name that God says that no other person can find salvation. It is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the power for everything in your life. You look after miracle after miracle. Sights are found in the name of Jesus. Healings are found in the name of Jesus. Dead people coming to life are found in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the period to every miracle. And it's the punctuation to your life too. It is all you need. The name of Jesus is your power. Stop trying to find power in the name of your social status, in the name of your family, in the name of your job, in the name of your house, in the name of money, in the name of politics. All those things we search for will never bring us fulfillment. 
It's one name and one name alone. There is no other name, and it is always only Jesus. Number two, his name is my power. Number two, his name is my promise. And the promise that I speak of is in Philippians 2, where it says, therefore, I mentioned it earlier, that God was given, Jesus was given the name above all names. And the promise is that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So if you find yourself in a situation where something's exalting itself above the name of Jesus, guess what? That's the middle of the book. I know the end of the story. Where the end of the story, the name of Jesus reigns supreme. The name of Jesus is above all. The name of Jesus is beyond and above anything you can imagine. That is the promise to your life. And I think the problem with us, I just, let's just be honest, I think the problem with us is that we profess the name of our problem more than we do the name of Jesus. Like what would it look like in our life, in our family, in our jobs, if we just started talking about the promise we have in the name of Jesus rather than the problem we have in the world? Like, come on, could you imagine your family if you just spoke the name of Jesus over? Hey God, I know it doesn't look good, but guess what, Jesus? I don't have prayer, but Jesus. I don't know what to say, but Jesus. My kids are not in church. I have wayward sons. Okay, here's what you need to say, Jesus. This eliminates people thinking they don't know how to pray, because really your prayer doesn't matter. It's the name of Jesus that matters. It's all that matters. Jesus is your promise. His name is your power. And lastly, my favorite thing about this, what I saw in my story, is that the name of Jesus, last point, is a problem for my problem. It's a problem for my problem. So when I found myself in a wreck, and I found myself in something named death, and something named terror and tragedy and all the stuff that you wanna say, my wreck had a problem and his name was Jesus. So no matter what you find yourself in, no matter what problem you have today, here's the good news. I have a problem for your problem and his name is Jesus. So you walked in here with a problem named cancer, guess what? Cancer has a problem named Jesus. Depression has a problem named Jesus. Divorce has a problem named Jesus. Lust has a problem named Jesus. Betrayal has a problem named Jesus. Confusion has a problem named Jesus. Shame has a problem named Jesus. Satan himself has a problem named Jesus. Come on, church, stand to your feet. Let's worship God. Let's lift up the name above all names. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.